Hey, good morning, everybody. Welcome to the Digital Cathedral. If you've been with me over the last several weeks, you know that we're working our way through the heart of Paul's writings, Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, and Colossians. And this morning, we're up to Ephesians chapter 3, first 13 verses. So I want to I want to read this. I was so excited to get over here this morning. I'm excited every day to, to teach to you. But this morning, I just feel like this, this teaching is going to change your life. I feel like that every week when I teach, but I think particularly this one is going to be uh, a world rocker, right? This is going to this is going to make your life better. This is going to change the way that you live a little bit, right? So it's going to be good. Let me read the first thirteen verses of Ephesians chapter one, and we'll get a little bit of context here. I'll say a little bit about what Paul is saying to the church at Ephesus. Then I want to bring it like I always do into today's world. So let's look at what Paul is saying and see if we can take it and bring it into our world, which, which will make a new normal. We're experiencing a lot of new normals right now, and a, naturally, but spiritually, man, I'll tell you what, the new normal is being set and the bar is being raised for the sons and the daughters of God. So let's look a little bit here. Ephesians chapter three, verse one. Paul says, for this reason, I, Paul, the prisoner of Jesus Christ, for you Gentiles, Paul right away says, look, my heart's to you Gentiles. Those of, those of you that are the have-nots, you've not heard the gospel. You don't know what this is about. A lot of have-nots today have not really heard the gospel. I'm of the opinion that peop, that our world has not rejected Jesus. What they've rejected is the message that they've heard about Jesus, but it hasn't been the message of Paul. Big difference. Verse 2. He says, if indeed you have heard of the dispensation of the grace of God, which was given to me for you. Word dispensation is not a good interpretation there. In my Bible, even in the center reference, it, it uses the word uh, stewardship. Uh, a stewardship is one that has oversight or management of a particular thing. In this case, grace. Paul is saying that God has given me the stewardship and the oversight of this message of unpolluted, pure, radical, hyper-grace for you Gentiles. Verse 3, here's how it came to him. How that by mystery he made known to me, or how, excuse me, let me start again, verse 3. How that by revelation he made known to me the mystery, as I've briefly written already. Paul says, this thing came to me by revelation. And it's a mystery. Paul says, however, I've got the mystery solved. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to tell you what the mystery is, Paul says. And I'm going to show you also. Here's the mystery. By which when you read, you may understand my knowledge in the mystery of Christ. Ah, so we've got a little clue here. The mystery has to do with Christ. Verse 5, which in the ages was not made known by the sons of men as it has now been revealed by the Spirit to his holy apostles and prophets. Here's the mystery that has now been revealed, and this is the gospel, that the Gentiles should be fellow heirs of the same body and partakers of his promise, God's promise, in Christ through the gospel. Paul is saying that all of you Gentiles now, you have an inheritance. You're an heir. You're an heir of everything that was promised to mankind in Christ. And it's coming to you through the gospel, through grace, through good news. There's no bad news in this good news message. Verse 7, 
of which I became a minister according to the gift of grace that God gave to me by the effective working of his power. Paul said, I got the grace. It's come to me by the effective working or God's continual deeper working of his power in me. Verse 8. Now, he begins to give us a little bit of a background, and I want you to see that Paul was probably the most unlikely person to be carrying this mystery. He said, to me, who am less than the least of all the saints, this grace was given that I should preach among the Gentiles, you, me, the unsearchable riches of Christ, and to make all see what is the fellowship of the mystery which from the beginning of the ages was hidden in God, who created all things through Jesus Christ to the intent. All right, here's the reason he did it. To the intent that now the manifested or the manifold wisdom of God might be made known by the church. Oh, don't you know that just rakled the Jews when they heard that? That God was going to unfold the depths of his wisdom to this Gentile group of have-nots, these upstart people that called themselves the way that God was going to take them and unfold his wisdom to them. Verse 11, according to the eternal purpose which he accomplished in Christ Jesus our Lord, in whom we have boldness and access with confidence through faith in him. Verse, verse 13, last verse. Therefore I ask that you do not lose heart in my tribulations for you, which is your glory. Now, what when... When I read those 13 verses, I can't help but notice a couple things, a couple very radical things. I can't help but see the huge shift in the thinking that Paul underwent in his life. Think about Paul for just a minute. This guy went from being the destroyer of the church. I mean, he wreaked havoc. He was the Osama bin Laden of the early church. He killed, he killed people, imprisoned people, separated families. This guy did everything that he could to wipe the church, those early believers, off the face of the earth. That was his drive, that was his objective. This guy, think about the shift. This is the guy that Jesus put his hand on and revealed himself to on the road to Damascus. And he has now become, in his own words, the carrier of the gospel, this mystery of the Gentile inclusion into the family of God, automatic inclusion, He's carrying this mystery to the world. He has been handpicked by Jesus. Now look at some of the things Paul's pointing out. Verses three, four, and five, he claims to have solved a mystery. If I showed up at the digital cathedral some Sunday and said, I have, I have solved a mystery, you may give me some ear. If I went down to the First Baptist Church and says, I have solved a mystery that the Baptist Union has never seen before, they would say, that's heresy, there is no new truth. But we've got a corner on the truth, and what you're, what you're saying, we haven't heard it before, it's not established, it's not orthodox. Isn't it incredible that this, this message that was orthodox from Paul has, from Paul for 1,500 years, actually longer than that, a little longer than that, that orthodox message has now become heresy. It's become unorthodox so that when you and I begin to talk about the finished work of the cross, pure, radical, hyper grace without any kind of work or uh, effort by man attached to it, that's now looked upon as being in error. So this whole thing has like run the cycle, hasn't it? 
So the new normal, the new normal is be, is beginning to become the proclamation once again, once again of this message that Paul introduced to the Gentiles. But think about the mind shift of Paul. Paul's mind, his whole paradigm shifted from this established religion that he was hip deep in, raised in it, taught, educated, practiced, advanced. It shifted entirely over here to the mind of Christ. Now he's working with the Ephesian church to develop in them the same mind of Christ that he possesses. When Paul said that I might know him, what he's saying, what he's saying underneath that is, I had to let go of everything I believed in. I had to let go of all the theology, all the belief system. I had to start at ground level zero. I remember doing that. I remember in my personal life back in 2003, 2004, that was my, that was my paradigm shift. <clears throat> and I remember saying, Father, I lay it all down. I, I need you, forget, forget what I learned in, in the university, forget the education, forget what my Sunday school teacher said, forget what the pastor told me as I was growing up, forget all that. I, I'm, I'm clearing the field and I want you to begin to show me those first 13 verses of Ephesians chapter 3 is all about Paul leading the Ephesus, the Ephesian believers, into the mind of Christ. He's saying, I want you to have the same mind that I have. Or, or as Paul would say, put on the mind of Christ. You know, you, you, you put it on. And it's out of that mind, as that mind develops, and it is a developmental process. As that mind is developed in us, that's where we learn to live out of authority. That's where we learn to rule and to reign. This is where dominion comes from. The mind of Christ doesn't necessarily work by faith. It works by dominion. Jesus walked in dominion. Jesus walked in authority. Just before Jesus left, he said, all authority has been given to me. He didn't say all faith has been given to me. Therefore, take this faith and go. He said, all authority has been given to me. Therefore, I give you that same authority and I want you to go and disciple the nations. Now, this is from now to the end of the teaching. Don't check out on me. Don't check out. Don't leave. From now to the end of the teaching, I'm going to rock your world. But after I rock it, you're going to be better for it, right? A giant step in getting this mind of Christ that is so imperative for where you're headed. God's put his hand on you. He's got you on a, on a highway toward manifesting as a full son, doing something in the earth that's never been done before. A great step in doing that is to no longer read scripture from the viewpoint of it being a concept, a principle, or a guide to what's right and wrong. Now, you can pull those things out of scripture, but that's not essentially what scripture is for. Essentially, scripture is to be um, written on your heart by the spirit of truth and then embodied within you. It is to become part of you, inseparable. Jesus, John chapter one says, Jesus was the word made flesh. Now you're, you're reverse engineering that. You are the flesh that is becoming the word. And the reason we're making the reverse engineering is because of our background, what we've been taught, our culture. The, the way that we've lived. We have been so programmed to following our soul and our flesh, what our, what our mind tells our flesh to do and responding to it. 
that this whole dimension of spirit, this, this whole idea of putting out the mind of Christ is absolutely foreign to us and knowing even what that mind is. But a huge step in that, and this is hard for some of you, what I'm, what I'm teaching today is gonna to be difficult for some of you. A big part of that is not taking scripture and just looking for it like it's an owner's manual telling you how to operate. That's not what it's for. Scripture was never meant to be an idle teaching. Teaching where you go Sunday morning, here, hear the pastor teach for 25, 30 minutes, you go home, eat your roast beef dinner, entirely forget what he said, except do good, don't do bad, please God or you'll go to hell. That's all you remember, that's what you got from it. That's what you got every week for the last 10 years, 20 years, 30 years, that's what you were raised in. That's so deeply embedded in you that when the Spirit of God begins to come to you and show you truth, it takes an entirely, an, an entire shift. It takes a change of mind. It takes putting on the mind of Christ. Scripture is designed to be embodied within you, forming the Christ within us, which then was going to create a brand new sense of reality. And that's where we're headed. A new normal, a new sense of reality. As you become the flesh-made word, you're going to see how it takes place. You're going to recognize it. If you haven't already, you're recognizing it. You, you begin to manifest his grace. First you see his grace, then it becomes part of you, and you, you start extending grace to people that you never would have extended to before. You start extending forgiveness to people that before you'd want to get even. You'd wanted justice, a pound of flesh. You'd wanted them to, to, to undergo some kind of punishment. You don't want that anymore. So things like love and forgiveness begin to pop up. And deeper than that, you sense a oneness with the Father. No longer is, you know, the Father out there somewhere and you're here and you're trying to get him from his throne way up in heaven someplace to come down and visit you to, to do what you need for him to do. All of, there's this oneness now that's, that's coming out. That's what the mind of Christ develops. In other words, you're being awakened to your Christness. You're Billy Bob Christ and now you're starting to get it. You're Mary Sue Christ. Now you're starting to see it. You're starting to feel it. You're starting to sense it. That pull is coming from within you. You're, 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 you're awakening now to things. And as you awaken, the baggage is being removed. Everything that you've carried that's slowing this process down, now the Spirit of God is beginning to chuck it, pull it off of you, rip it off, tear it off. He's beginning to disengage you from anything that has slowed you down or stopped the process of the word embodied in your flesh to such a level that your flesh becomes the word and you live out of the mind of Christ. All right, here we go. Now this is where it's gonna, I took you down one notch. That's a little bit tough when you start reading the Bible, not looking for concepts, precepts, do's and don'ts. You start, you start letting the Spirit of God, you take this, you know, for example, you take this third chapter of Ephesians. And when Paul says, that men, that Gentiles should be fellow heirs of the same body, or that Gentiles are now recipients of the gospel. You start thinking about that, and you start thinking about it, and, he, and, the, and the Spirit of Truth starts showing you how good this gospel is. All of a sudden, it goes down, it takes root, and that good news becomes you, and you can't look at anything that's not bad news. You hear a mixed message, and it's like fingernails on a chalkboard. You, it, it, you have to get away from it. You, you won't allow it anymore. It's because you're, you're your mind is being changed. There's a shift that's going on. And as that happens, the baggage goes. It's time to get rid of baggage 
in two big areas. Now here it's gonna get a little bit tougher. This is, this, this is gonna get hard and you're gonna to have to work at this a little bit. And what I mean by work at it, you're gonna to have to submit to the work of the cross in your life. You're gonna to have to submit. It's not that you have to go out and, and do, do, do. The only work we do is to respond to the revelation he gives. I'm giving you some revelation this morning on, some, on two things that need to come off our life, two things that need to change. All right, let's look at two. Number one is this. It's being unequally yoked in relationships. It's having an unequally yoked relationship. Let me expand on that. This can be very hard. Those that you are unequally yoked with in a relationship are those that have a drag on you emotionally, spiritually. You, you, you know the person, I've had the people, I've had people in my church that would call me and talk and talk and talk for an hour. And when I hung up the phone, I was totally exhausted. They had pulled every bit of emotional strength out of me. It was like, it's like they had attached jumper cables to me and their battery was dead. They attached jumper cables to me and they were operating now on my emotional energy, my strength, my spiritual vitality. And it wasn't that way just once or twice. It, that was the pattern. Do you, do you have some friends like that or relatives like that? You have, got to, you have got to draw a line with those people. That's an, that will impede your own spiritual development. Now, here, listen to me very closely. Doesn't mean you can't be friends with them. Doesn't mean you cannot love them. Doesn't mean you can't spend time with them. But there is a line that you draw that they do not have access to you emotionally or spiritually. You, you deal with them emotionally and spiritually. Uh, you, don't, you don't let them put the jumper cables on anymore. They go to put the jumper cables on, you take them off and you tell, and, and you may just by your actions or the way you now begin to handle yourself around them, you let them know they can't drain you anymore. They can't pull you down anymore. You have to recognize where unhealthy pulls have been in your life. Those unhealthy pulls, listen, listen to me. Those unhealthy pulls have impeded your own development. They have pulled the energy off of you so that you have to go back rather than moving forward. You've had to go back and replenish the energy that's been taken from you. Not everybody, not everybody had emotional and spiritual access to Jesus. That might shock you. Not everybody had unlimited spiritual and emotional access to Jesus. Jesus told us that in John chapter 2. I want to go over there. I want to read this for you because even Jesus recognized that there has to be some lines, some boundaries that we draw with people that drain us. Those are unhealthy relationships. In John chapter 2 and verse 23, it says, Now when Jesus was in Jerusalem at the Passover during the feast, many believed in his name when they saw the signs that he did. As you progress in this, <clears throat> a lot of people are going to recognize there's something going on inside of you. The amount of messages that I get in one day would blow you away. And a lot of it are messages from people that don't want to research it themselves. They don't want to meditate it themselves. They want to ask me a question or they hear a teaching and then they say, well, what about this scripture? What about this? And how about that? And this is what I was taught. And what would you say about this? 
and you can, you know, it's because they don't want to, they don't want to go in. They don't want to spend the time. They want the, you to answer it. They want to solve you. And here comes the jumper cables attached to you to draw off of you. So a lot of messages I don't, I don't even respond to, especially the videos. Don't send me videos. Don't send me emojis on my messenger. That just, it just irritates me because I'm not going to look at your video. I don't care what it is. I'm not going to look at your video on messenger. You got it? I don't care how good a friend you are. I'm not wasting my time with that. So Jesus, a lot of people begin to believe on Jesus when they saw the signs that he did. But now watch verse 24. But Jesus did not commit himself to them because he knew all men. He knew what was in them. He knew they were there for the loaves and the fish. They were there for the signs and the wonders. Jesus dealt with the multitude on one level. Jesus dealt with the 70 on another level. He dealt with the 12 on another level, and finally the three on the closest level. I would say that it's only the three that really had emotional, spiritual access to Jesus. He discipled the 12, he empowered the 70, and he met the needs of the 5,000. But those of the 5,000 that came knocking at Jesus', Jesus heart's door did not gain access. Jesus knew what was in men. Sometimes you've gotta know what's in somebody. It's, you're not being cruel, you're not being uh, rejecting of anybody, but you got to know what is inside of them. And sometimes it's just to pull off of, off of you. So we're talking about, what we're talking about are relationships that are built on, on soulish inclinations, soulish connections. I can tell you how soulish connections look. Soulish connections are those connections that say, I scratch your back, you scratch mine. Soulish connections are those that we walk in agreement as long as we believe the same thing. Soulish connections are those that say, we go to the same church because we have the same theology. But the moment we don't have the same theology, I disconnect from you. And as soon as you begin to believe something I don't believe, I'm not going to research it. I'm not going to look it for myself. I'm not going to ask the spirit of truth to guide me. I'm going to call you and I'm going to say, you're, you're wrong. You're, you're, you're in heresy. And what about this? And what about this? And what about this? And you got this scripture over here. And how are you going to answer that? And you hang up and you're just drained. Or you begin to teach the sufficiency and begin to live out the sufficiency of Christ and people call you and say, well, why isn't God doing this? Or why did God do that? Or why did God allow this? And how about the virus? Why did, is that the judgment of God? And people do not want to get their own answer. They don't want to work out their own salvation as we taught, what was that last week, week before, I can't remember. They don't want to dis discover it for themselves. They, they want to hook onto you and pull from you. Those are soulish relationships. If people or groups hinder you from living in his presence, if when you shut down to meditate or contemplate or spend some alone time with, with the Spirit, and what comes up in your mind are those people and their problems and their dilemmas and they're looking to you and they've placed it on you, they've placed their baggage on you, you know what? You need to cut it, sever it, break from it. What you want to do is give those that are going the same way you're going your energies, inner access. You know, there, there are people that I love to be with because, because they're not hooking to me. They have their own hookup with the Spirit. 
They're living out the message. There are people that I am connected to in the spirit that when I talk to, I talk to them on the phone, go to lunch with them, whatever. I'm energized. I'm not depleted. I'm not drawn. Give your time, give your energy, give your resources to the people that are going the same way you're going. Peter, James, and John, Jesus felt, look, they're going, they're going, they're gonna to have to carry this. They're, they're heading where I'm heading. I see something in them that I don't see in Thomas and Judas. I don't see it in the other, but I see something in them. There's, we're, we're moving in the same direction. So he took them to the Mount of Transfiguration. He took, he took them places he didn't take the 12. He taught the 12 things he didn't empower or show to the 70. And he empowered the 70 with power that he didn't give to the 5,000. 5,000, the only thing he did for them was give them loaves and fishes. He didn't connect. The 70, he empowered them, but they didn't, they didn't draw around with him all the time. They didn't hang with him. The 12 he taught, but they didn't go to the Mount Transfiguration. Do you see the pattern I'm setting? You have got to begin to know what your part in this is, what you're cut out to do. And you've got to hang with people that energize you, strengthen you, feed you, that you can feed back, right, on a spirit to spirit level. Those are spirit connections. When you're hooked to somebody's spirit, with their spirit, you know, you're one spirit with the Lord. And when somebody else is one spirit with the Lord, that makes you one spirit with them. I had a lot of soulish connections as a pastor. I was connected to a lot of people that we believed the same thing. And, you know, the, the camaraderie, as I find out, was the fact that I would teach them and they would pay, right? They would put in the offering plate every Sunday. And for putting in the offering plate every Sunday, they wanted me to affirm what they already believed. They didn't want to be challenged. They did not want something new. They wanted affirmation. And as soon as I didn't affirm them, you know, the first thing they did, they stopped putting money in the offering plate. Because I stopped scratching their back. No, they stopped scratching. It didn't, didn't affect me personally. They thought that was hurting me. It didn't hurt me. They were not my source to begin with. God has always been my source. And there was a direct time in my life, and I can tell you the day it was, that I walked to set the thermostat outside my office one day, and God spoke to me as clearly as can be, and he said, you will never need for money. I will, I will speak to people. I will send the ravens to you. I will tell those that need to help contribute and, 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 and send to you and help you. I will directly place it on their hearts. You don't have to worry about it. Don't sweat it. Those people that are withholding and thinking they're, they're, they're hurting you because you're not scratching their back, giving them affirmation of what they already believed, letting them know that they're good and everybody else in the world is bad, they're headed to heaven and those outsiders are headed to hell. So they've stopped, they've stopped scratching your back. Those are soulish connections. And really that was a pull, that was a drain. I don't have that on me today. I'm connecting with people like you on the digital cathedral that are heading where I'm headed. We're not scratching each other's back, we're fueling each other. When you, when you post on the Don Keithley ministry page, you know, guys like Mo Thomas, and I'm not going to begin to mention, but you guys really feed me, and I, 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 it energizes me. Terry Heiss, I could, I could think of a whole lot of people that just really light my fire. Peg Metheny is another way. When she posts something, you, you better know it's from the heart of God. Those things are not soulish connected, and I believe that what I have spoken to them, I share the Christ that is in me to the Christ that is within them. They share the Christ in them to the Christ that is in me. Do you see the huge difference? God is reprogramming us internally. 
He's pulling the soulish connections away from us. Does, let me say it again. Doesn't mean you can't be friends with them. Doesn't mean you can't go to lunch with them. Doesn't mean that you can't spend time with them. But there is a line emotionally and spiritually that you don't allow people, groups, television programs, movies, activities, whatever it is that drains you. If you, if you watch uh, cable news, and I'm, I don't care what, if it's Fox or CNN, whatever it is, and after watching that for an hour or so, you, you have to go take a nap or you, you need to go have a candy bar and get some sugar to get some energy back. You know what? You need to cut some of that stuff out. If Facebook, if you're spending all day on Facebook, if you have to check that every five minutes, you need to cut, cut back on that. I have times that I go over, I, and it might look like I'm on there a lot. I'm not really. I have, I have a, in five minutes, I can look through everything. I take a couple of periods a day, three, four periods a day, and I go over and I look, and I see, and I comment, or I make a post. But I, if I, I can't spend all day there because the people that are posting negatively when you scroll through, you see all those conspiracies and all the garbage that goes on. It affects me. It affects my meditation. It affects the images, the imaginations that I'm, I'm building into my subconscious, that I'm speaking out my mouth, that's creating my reality. It affects that. God's reprogramming us internally. The mind of the soul and all of the feeders into that soulish nature your mind, your will, and your emotion, the things that feed that, the people that feed it, or the people that draw from it, those things are out. The things that feed the mind of Christ, the people, the, 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 the YouTube videos, the books, whatever it is that feeds the mind of Christ, those things are in. And the Spirit of God today is showing us what needs to go and what needs to come in. So as the Spirit of truth works deep within us, the mind of souls, what I'm saying is gonna, is gonna diminish and the mind of spirit will increase. Listen to me. If, if you've kind of floated off, come back, come back, listen. I'm looking at you in the eye today. Listen to me. As that comes to a completion, your, your physical body is going to respond to the life of the spirit now that is being nurtured within. Your physical body is kept by this, the, the life of the spirit that is within you. As you strengthen that spirit, life, your outward man begins to respond to what goes on on the inside. Jesus, that was one of the things to be as Jesus is in this world. This is why I teach on the digital cathedral, okay? One of the, it's, be, it's because I want the spirit that raised Jesus from the dead, I want it to quicken your mortal body. The spirit within is what gives life. The spirit that is within will ward off sickness and disease. The spirit that is within creates longevity. Jesus said, or Paul said something, Paul caught it. In 1 Corinthians chapter 13, that love chapter, when you get down toward the end, there's a verse there that is not normally emphasized. We go through all the love never fails stuff, but when you get down to verse 12, he says, but now we see in a mirror dimly. That's when you see through soul when soulish tendencies are, are affecting your view. But he says, but now face to face, wow. Now you're, you're seeing the things of God face to face. You're not looking through that glass darkly anymore. 
and you've noticed the things that he talks about in, in the chapter, the love, the patience, the gentleness, all you know, the fruits of the Spirit, Galatians 5, those things are starting to bubble up in your life. You're starting now to walk in spirit like never before. And he says, he says, we did see through a mirror dimly, but now face to face. Now I know in part, but there's coming a time that I shall know just as I am known. Now, that last part of that 12th verse, there's coming a time, Paul said, that I am going to know just as I'm known. That was a key in the life of Jesus. Jesus knew himself. Listen, Jesus knew himself exactly as the Father knew him. What am I saying? I'm saying that as he shifts you, as, as you're being reprogrammed internally, as your spirit is being fed, as the soul is being pushed off, as the drains go that stopped and impeded your growth, you will more and more know yourself, see yourself, believe in yourself the same way the Father sees you, believes in you, and has, has come to know you fully. Now, when, when you see you, you know you like the Father knows you, I'm telling you, that opens up an entirely, entirely different, higher dimension of living. Or again, if I could say it in a more modern way, it raises your frequency. Your vibration elevates. And we will also, at that point, have the mind of the Spirit, and that mind of the Spirit will give life to this mortal body as it did to Jesus. Let me read a couple things that Paul said. Paul tapped into this. Do you know, I, I believe Paul tapped into immortality. Paul, how many times did they kill Paul? How many times was he stoned? How many times did he receive 40 strikes? That'll kill you. When, when you're stoned, I don't know if you've ever watched a YouTube video on stoning. It's a nasty, terrible looking thing. But the last stone that is thrown, somebody comes over with a huge stone that they can barely pick up and they smash the person's head. They drop it. They smash their skull. Paul was stoned four times, I believe. It was three, four times he was stoned. And after he was stoned, he got up and walked into town. <laughs> I believe Paul resurrected. I, I, I don't believe they could kill, kill Paul. John, on the, they, the reason they ex put John on the Isle of Patmos to die, exclude from everybody, because they couldn't kill him. History says they, they put him in boiling oil to kill him. It didn't kill him. They, could, they couldn't. He, ta he had tapped into something. The spirit within Paul, within John, had, had quickened their mortal bodies. Quicken means give, given life to it. It given life to their mortal bodies. You know, a heart attack shouldn't take you. Cancer shouldn't take you. Look what, what Paul said. Now I'm going to look at what Jesus said. Paul said this in Romans chapter 8. This is part of reprogramming. This is part of the sh shift. I told you this was not going to be the most simplistic message. And this is where grace has taken us. See, when you start to delve into to what grace is all about, this is some of the places that grace takes you to. This is what revelation comes because you're now tapped in to how good God really is. Romans chapter 8 and verse 10 says this, And if Christ is in you, the body is dead because of sin. But the spirit is life because of righteousness. So on one hand, the body died because of sin. He's taking care of that. But now... The Spirit is giving life because you're righteous. 
And this is the verse. But if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who dwells in you. Let me read that again, because this is the working of the spirit within you. The spirit is a life-giving force. You're, you're, coming, you're, you're gaining more of that life-giving force every day. You're farther into this, I keep telling you, than what you know, than maybe what you perceive. If the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead, so it was the spirit that brought life into Jesus. If that same spirit dwells in you, he will give life to your mortal body. How? Through the spirit who dwells in in you. We're yielding more to that spirit of life. The resurrection life is a life that knows no death. That resurrection life always lived in Jesus. Resurrection life didn't enter Jesus when he was crucified. Death is, a, it, it, the fact is, death never had power over Jesus. The fact is, death does not have power over you. And I'm going to tell you why it does if you just stay with me another five, ten minutes. I'll get to it. I just am establishing this thing that there is a life-giving spirit that is within you. Paul said, if the spirit that raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, and it does, then it will quicken your mortal body. Why doesn't it? Well, we're going to find out. But here's what Jesus said. This is, this is the mindset that Jesus had. This, this Jesus didn't give people access to him because he had to maintain a certain mindset. He, he couldn't afford the baggage. And he said this in John chapter 10, verse 17. He said, therefore, the father loves me because I lay my do life down that I may take it up again. I lay it down, but he said, I can take it up again. So the power of laying it down and taking it up was within the power of Jesus. Do you think that as he is, so are we in this world? Are you willing to come that far with it? Now look me in the eye and tell me that you're willing to let your imagination begin to see that nothing can take your life, that you lay it down and you have power to take it up. If you get stoned or shot, you can take it back up again. And you, you lay it down. When you're ready to go, you can lay it down. But not until, you've until you have ended the journey that you want to walk. And you say, Father, I'm ready to lay it down. All right, let's read it out. Verse 18. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of myself. I have power to lay it down, and I have power to take it again. This commandment I have received from my Father. This commandment I've received from the Father. What commandment? That I can lay it down and I can pick it up. You need to let the word not teach you about precepts, concepts, and good doctrine. You need to let the word become embodied in you. And let, let, let me give you a deeper word. Let the Father speak to you a commandment that you can lay it down and you can pick it up again. <clears throat> it's that higher state of consciousness that we enter into when we know that our job is done and we can lay it down. And it's that higher state of consciousness we enter into when it says, you know what? Nothing can take me. No man can take my life from me. The, 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 the Jewish leader thought he could. The king thought he could, he could command to have Jesus. Jesus, you can't take my life from me. 
I don't care what you think you're going to do. I lay it down and I pick it up. See, once you know your origination, you know your destination. Romans chapter 11, verse 36 says this. In essence, this is a Keithley translation. Romans 11, 36 says everything comes from God, passes through God, and returns to God. Are you confident of that? Once you know your origination, you know your destination. The deep work that he's doing takes place in your mind. It brings our mind to a place where we, where we fully embrace his mind. You have the mind of Christ. It's letting that mind now begin to surge. It's letting that mind come to the surface. And one great help to that, I'm telling you, is to cut the soulish connections, the drains, the draws, the, the, the things, the people, the programs, the sources that pull from you to where instead of moving forward, you have to go back and replenish that energy that has been drained out. I used to feel that on Sunday, Sunday afternoon sometimes, that the drain was so tremendous on me that I had to rest Sunday afternoons, take a nap. I don't feel that. I get in teaching at the digital cathedral. I feel a connecting with your spirit. I feel you feeding me. I'm feeding you. You're feeding me. When I'm done here, I'm not tired. I'm energized. I'm strengthened. I, I feel stronger than I've ever felt before, right? So that's one. One area is he's cutting the emotional baggage. He's cutting, he's cutting those ties off. You have to recognize where they are. The unequally yoked relationships. The higher you move, the people that help get you to where you are may not be the people that help you get to where you need to go. You need to recognize, some people are gonna stop right where they're at. They're not gonna go on. So when you go on, they become a pull to you, to pull you back to where you were. What's wrong with you? You're not like you used to be. Do you, do you, do you even believe what you used to believe? That's what they will say to you. And all that is an attempt to drag you back. You have to cut it off. And you, you still love them, you're still friends. You know, you might still watch the program, but it doesn't affect you. You read the book, it doesn't tear on you. Some, I've known people that have read the scripture and it's pulled on them. They get fearful reading scripture. Scripture shouldn't make you fearful. It ought to energize you. It's because it's you have not seen it from the lens of the mind of Christ. All right, here's the second thing. The second area that the Holy Spirit is working in for us to enter into the mind of Christ as, as, as the only mind is a shift in paradigms, a shift in paradigms. Here's what he's doing. He's getting rid of all the false paradigms in your mind. The second area the Holy Spirit works in to free us into the mind of Christ happens as we rid ourselves of false paradigms. I've yet to meet somebody, including myself, that is still not dislodging from false paradigm. What is a paradigm? A paradigm is how you view reality. A paradigm is built through your experience, your education, your family, your culture, what you've been exposed to. Uh, all of those things build your paradigms. Your spiritual paradigms were built by your church background, the pastor, what he taught you, what the Sunday school teacher said. Poor Sunday school teacher. You know, I grew up with Sunday school teachers. I don't think they knew anything. All they had was a quarterly from the denominational headquarters that told them what to say for that Sunday. They, they had no discernment, right, wrong, up, down. They just dispensed it to us little 10-year-old boys, and we grabbed it. Then when I got to the university, a, 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 a church university, it was the same thing. White-haired PhDs poured it into this 
you know, 19, 20, 21, 22 year old preacher boy. They just sent me down an assembly line, attached systematic theology, Pauline epistles, uh, hermeneutics, uh, uh, class on how to fastened all those on. So when I dropped off the end of the assembly line, I was I was supposedly ready to pastor. I wasn't ready to do diddly squat, but I took took a church because that was the system I was in. That was the system I was in. We build paradigms by experience, education, family, friends, relationships, all those things. Now, we've got a lot of false paradigms that have to come out of us. If we're gonna get the mind of Christ, we've gotta change paradigms. We have to realize where we've had false ones and get rid of them. Stop questioning them. For example, the reason we haven't seen resurrection life evolve in us is because we still have a paradigm of death. We still believe we have to die. Maybe, maybe you do, maybe you don't. That has to be removed because death has no control over the mind of Christ. We just looked at two scriptures. I just read you scriptures out of Romans, what Paul said, if the spirit that raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, it will quicken your mortal body. If, you're, if you have a, a physical problem today, and I'm working on this, I got a little deal going on. I don't say anything about it. I got a little deal going on. I, I, I know that the spirit that is within me is going to keep me alive. It's, it's not the pill I take. It's not the doctor's advice. I go, I, I talk to the doctor, I get the x-rays, I do all they say to do, but I know that's not what's keeping me alive. I, I do those things to keep my mind quiet. I know that it's the spirit that raised Jesus from the dead that dwells in me. That spirit in me is giving me the life. That's where I live from. That is my life source. I, I, I see death entirely different. I, I don't see death like I used to see it. I see death as just a promotion to a higher consciousness. I see now that when you die, you have a sharper awareness than you have while you're on the earth. While you're on the earth, you've got the draws of the flesh, the draws of the mind that pull you back, hold you down. When you are free from those things, and we're getting as free as we can from them, when you're free from those false paradigms, then the, the freer you become. Right. We've got to get out of the paradigm of death, thinking that everybody dies of disease, everybody dies of sickness, everybody dies decrepit, everybody, their body deteriorates until, you know, we used to say, till the tent wasn't fit to hold the spirit, and then it ascends. Look at this. I'm, let me read a little bit earlier in, in Romans chapter 6. Come over to the right just a little bit if you've been following. Romans chapter 6, and let me start back at verse 8 and read on through verse 11. Romans chapter 6, verse 8. Now, if we died with Christ, we believe that we shall also live with him. Do you believe you died with Christ? Were we crucified with Christ? Was Paul telling us the truth in Galatians 2.20? Is 2 Corinthians 5.14 true? If Christ died for all, then all died. You have died your death. You were crucified with him. He died and you died with him. That's what verse six is saying. If, if we believe that we died with him, verse eight is saying, if, if we died with Christ, we believe that we shall also live with him, knowing that Christ having been raised from the dead, dies no more. Death has no more dominion over him. If you're living with Christ, then death has no dominion over you. you say, well, man, that, I, I can't comprehend that. That's because you've got the paradigm of death yet. 
put the seeds in the, in the, in the consciousness that you don't have to die till your time is up. I don't care what the doctor told you. You better get the seeds in here so that the seeds will drop into the subconscious and let the subconscious lead you toward that life. And you need to hold that firmly fixed in your head. I am life. I am able. I am not gonna die. I am, you are the I am. You are the I am's that you have visualized and confessed. You're walking out those I am's right now today. You wanna change your life, change your I am's. I am tired, I am pooped out. I can't, I am not able to do that. I am, I am. No, 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 I am that I am. Your M's, your I am's need to align with his I am's. You know what his I am's are, you need to have the same. That's, that's changing the paradigms, right? That's the transition. The, what he's talking about here in Romans 6, verses 8 through 11, you know, John 10, 17, 18, Romans 11, 13, all those things are talking about changing the paradigm from the mind of the soul to the mind of Christ. And that's not automatically the natural way we think. Well, it should be the natural way we think, but it's not been the natural way from us because we've had everything else flooding into us from elementary school to high school to parents to friends to books we were assigned to read. All of that has fed into us these false paradigms. Every time the spirit of truth opens your eyes wider. You remember when you first saw grace? I do. Man, my eyes opened up. And you know what it created? A change inside of me. I learned something from that. That every time my eyes are opened wider to, to, to a change, there is a shift in my reality. Why? Because every step builds on the previous step. Grace took me to the next step of the fatherhood of God. Changed my whole concept of God, my reality of how I see the Father. That changed me to love that is unconditional, with no conditions attached. That changed me to mercy that endures forever. That is taking me now to a place where I don't think death has to rule and reign over us any longer. What, what, what ties the mind of the soul? What, what ties us to the mind of the soul? What, what, what are these false paradigms? How are these false paradigms created? False paradigms stay with us because of our inability to see. What ties us to the mind of the soul? What ties us to, the, to these false paradigms? The inability to see. You can only go as far as you can see. You can only go as far as you have revelation. Now, how do you get revelation? You let him speak to you. You get quiet. You put, you put a desire into your mind for your life. Maybe you have a desire to own a business, buy a house. Maybe you have a desire to be free from some of the things that have you held. You need to get a, a, an image of that, of how you want it to be, how you want your reality to be. Then you let him begin to speak to you about that. You let those seeds drop. You let those seeds come into your subconscious. See, as a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. The heart, the heart will think anything you want it to think. The head determines what the thoughts are, but you drop into the heart the thought of fear and you think in your heart fear, you live it out. You think in your heart early death. I'm not gonna live to be old because that thought has come from your mind. That's a false paradigm, but it will produce. 
it will produce. The deeper the spirit works, the more the chains come off of us. And the more the chains come off of us, the more we see. See how this builds? And the more we see, the more chains come off of us. Things are coming off of me today that I didn't recognize a year ago. I, I've, I've moved to another level in my teaching, in my awareness, in my, I, I recognize that. I'm coming from an entirely different place now than I did last year. Do you know why? Because my mind has changed, it's shifted. And it's, and it's created a different subconscious reality for me and different things now have been pulled to me. I'm being pulled toward different directions. I'm now meeting new people that are going the way I'm going. Some of the ones that were with me five years ago aren't with me anymore. Because they've said, that's it. I can't go any further. This is it. The more you see, the more you change. And when you change, you form new paradigms. And those paradigms, they don't transform us or reform us. They transfigure us. Transfigure us. That means you change entirely in the way you look. Right? The burdens the anxieties, the fears, the cares, the weights are being severed. They're being cut off of us. It's not always easy. It's not always easy to sever unequally yoked relationships that you've allowed to feed off of you for years to now to say to yourself, I've got to move on. To, to, to cut yourself free from false doctrines that have held on to you and you recognize, you know what? that doctrine of eternal conscious torment, that has affected how I've seen the Father. That's a false parent. That has affected how I see that guy on the street that I think is no good, that, doesn't, that didn't pray the magic prayer like I did. He's not headed where I'm headed, bless his little heart. Changes your paradigm, changes your reality, changes the way you live, changes the way you approach people. You're abiding in his presence. And that abiding in his presence is taking center stage. It's filling your days, it's shaping your reality, it's creating new paradigms within you. The manifestation of the suns is now. You are manifesting on one level. Doesn't mean you're always gonna stay at that level, you're moving on. The more you sever from unequally yoked relationships, the more the paradigms change and become real from faults, the higher you ascend. The higher you ascend, the more you see. You know, you can see more from a 40-story building than you can a two-story house, the roof. You can see more. Why? Because you're higher. The higher your consciousness comes, the more you can see. A shift is happening. Can you feel it? Can you feel the shift internally? I mean, religion is in your rearview mirror. There's, you're not going back to that stuff no matter what. That is in your rearview mirror. There's no possible way it's going to hold you anymore. Change is in the air. There is a new normal. Business is not as usual. It, it might be kind of hard to put your finger on it because you've never been this way before. It's, it's like going into a city and not recognizing the buildings or the streets or where the restaurants are or the gas stations, but you're, you're finding your way as you go. I know this and I'm done. I'm landing the plane. I'm done. I know this. God is going to continue to stretch us more and more and more and more. It's a new normal. Stretch is the new normal. And that's good. Be prepared for it. Be prepared for it. You are manifesting now. You are manifest. It's not out in the future. There was a time we say, well, the manifestation of all creation groans for the manifestation of God, like it's out there future. I'm telling you, you are manifesting now. 
It's just that your manifesting is going to get sharper and clear when you know you like he knows you. Your paradigms will switch. The relationships will go by the wayside. Jesus didn't have a very tight relationship with many. Paul didn't either. Paul had two, three guys that traveled with him. He didn't make friends with everybody. Everybody didn't have access. They won't have access to you. Here's, I'm done. Here's one, my final word. Yield to what's going on and open yourself to the flow of the Spirit. The flow of the Spirit of truth right now is strong, it's heavy, and it's gonna take you in the right direction. You cannot make a mistake. You cannot make a mistake. He won't let you. It's all good, it's all God. Father, I pray for every person watching today on the Digital Cathedral. Father, that as you show us those unequally yoked relationships, as you show us false paradigms, that we might shed those, that the mind of Christ might become crystal clear to us, that we would know ourselves like you know us and nothing less. In Jesus' name, thank you, Father. It's been good to be with you this morning. Thank you for your prayers, your contributions. You can, you can see on my website or on the Facebook page where you can make a contribution at. Thank you for your monthly help. It's really deeply appreciated. See you Wednesday night and next Sunday, same time on the Digital Cathedral.